this happens this happens quite frequently and I just attribute it to the hand of the Lord that without any coordination and I know that if you study back into history a lot of times in history the the preacher would have been the one who would also lead the singing in the worship service and would oftentimes select songs based upon what the scripture text that he was going to use was going to be. Now that wasn't necess- that wasn't the case, obviously, with the churches that I was raised in, because you didn't know who was going to be preaching that Sunday. You would have five sermons that Sunday, so it's not like you could choose one song or or, or a subset of songs that would go along with the sermon. But Brother Matlock picked some good songs this morning that go that are, that are very very much in line with the the thought that I have before us this morning. And that thought is moving mountains. Moving mountains. And, you know, when we generally think of that, we generally think of that as something that's an impossible task, don't we? Because we are thinking of the end result at the beginning. Last year, I got uh, tasked with the job of being the clerk uh, at the association. And everybody's there that the association views the job of the clerk as being a mountain that they can't climb. And so we're going to take our scripture reading this morning from Matthew chapter 17. Now, we're going to touch on this in each of the synoptic gospels because each one of the authors bring out a different point as it pertains to what's occurring here but the here's the backdrop the feeding of the 5000 has taken place jesus has gone up into the mount of transfiguration there in caesarea philippi and coming uh, and when we start this scene He's coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. He had Peter and James and John with him up on top of that mountain. The rest of the disciples, um, or the apostles, whether well, or not the apostles yet, but the rest of the twelve were left down at the base of the mountain. Peter, James, and John were taken by Jesus and selected by Jesus to go up to the top of the Mount of Transfiguration to witness his transfiguration and to witness Elijah and Moses present themselves before Jesus and talk with Jesus and converse with Jesus about his death. And then they witnessed Elijah and Moses taken up into the cloud and the voice speaking out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear ye him. After that scene, they come down off the mountain, starting here. And actually, I'm going to back up a little bit. I had to set up. It's the 14th verse that we're going to start in. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord Have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. And sore vexed, for oftentimes, for oft times, he falleth into the fire, and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. 
Then Jesus said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. And that's where I would like to end our scripture reading. And now we're going to address some of the some of the particulars first before we get into the real crux of the matter. A man comes to the Lord and he says, Lord, my son's a lunatic. Now that's the King James Version's rendering for this. And I really identify, I've always identified with this verse of scripture because I too am a lunatic. Not in the sense that we think of the word lunatic. We usually think of it as somebody who's crazy. He had a medical condition, and, and, and that medical condition was caused by uh, a demon or spirit. And, and so you see him here. Uh, he's got epilepsy. That's why he fall oftentimes, oftentimes into the fire and oft into the water, because he would just start convulsing. And we see in Luke... In Luke here, he, uh, Luke describes it this way, as they come down the hill and they meet all the people and he's met by uh, a man, the man, and he says, this is my only child. So this is not just that man's child, this is that man's only child. So Luke gives us that insight. And so, you know, you think about the love that a parent has for their child. Well, it's magnified, isn't it, when it's that that parent's only child. Because the love that a parent has for their child. And we live in a day and an age where the love that a parent has for the child, which is natural affection, is dismissed, isn't it? And it's said, well, that's, that child is nothing. You can rip that child out of the womb. But Scripture teaches us that that is the basest way, the lowest form of animal that we could behave. God gave us an option of how we could behave our lives, didn't he, on the on the sixth day of creation. He gave us a choice because first and foremost, he created the beast of the field. And after he created the beast of the field, then he created man, didn't he? So he's telling man, you are the pinnacle of creation. So when you think of creation, don't think of it as a drilling down, right? Don't think of creation as... First, God created the heavens and the earth, and that's the greatest 
of the achievements of creation. Actually, that's the lowest of creation, isn't it? He created the heavens and the earth, and then he created um, uh, the and the seas, right? And then he called the dry ground to come forth from the sea, uh, and then uh, the the all of the manners of fruits and and herbs burst forth from the ground. Uh, and then as we get on into it, and he and he and, and on the fourth day, he created the sun, the greater light and the lesser light. Uh, and see, that's not even, that's in the middle of it, isn't it? <laughs> and he keeps building up and building up into creation. And then at the very last thing that he creates is man. And man, in terms of the things that are in this world, is almost the pinnacle of creation. The pinnacle of creation is on the seventh day, God rested. Seeing all the works that he had done, he said it is very good. After he had created man, he said it is very good. And so man was given a choice. You can behave as the pinnacle, which you almost are, uh, which really once that was done, God entered into his rest. Or you could behave like that lower life form that was created that same day. You could behave like the beast of the field, can't you? And a lot of society today chooses to behave like the beast of the field. They've got no compassion, not even for their own children. And you can see in in Luke's rendering that, that when that when Jesus came to that child, that spirit wasn't just calm and 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 rational. That spirit started started tearing this kid up, didn't it? In the 39th verse, Luke says, "And lo, a spirit taketh him, and suddenly crieth out, and it teareth him." And what that really means is he starts convulsing and foaming at the mouth and bruising him hardly, departeth from him. And so this kid's in a in a very bad strait, and this 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 parent is apoplectic over their child, aren't they? Mark doesn't give us very much background on the child. He just says that he has a dumb spirit. But he does not, he does make note that he tears him and he foams and he gnashes his teeth and he pines away. I can speak a little bit to this. I've had some of those. That's 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 the kind of seizure I have right there. I separated my my left shoulder because I had a seizure while I was driving when I was 21. And I remember one of the things I remember the most about it wasn't even so much the pain from the shoulder, even though that was bad enough, but the worst was the pain that I had on my tongue. Because my tongue was, I chewed my tongue all up. Because I had two seizures that day, and they were both this variety. And you say, well, geez, Todd, why, what would cause you to do that? Well, when you're not living your life right for God... <laughs> You suffer the consequences of it, don't you? And I suffered the consequences of it that day. And uh, God, God would eventually put a, a lady in my life that would 
help me get that straightened out. And I still struggle from time to time. I'm not perfect. The Lord gloriously saved me, but I'm still not perfect. And so we see the condition that this kid is in. Now, now let's turn to the real thing, and that is these 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 disciples here. Because these this this child, this father has brought this child to the disciples that stayed down at the base of the hill, at the base of the Mount of Transfiguration. And this father's brought here his child, who's so grievously afflicted with that uh spirit that is causing his epilepsy, that he brings him to them because he knows that they are very near to the Lord. And he knows about the miracles and he's heard about the miracles which Jesus has done. And not only him there, but there's a multitude, isn't there? And that was Matthew said. There's a multitude there and among that multitude are scribes. And the scribes were very closely affiliated with the Pharisees and they behaved in much the same way. Matthew in the 16th verse says very, very straightforwardly, and I brought him to thy disciples, meaning I brought my son to your disciples and they could not cure him. They couldn't do it. Luke says, I besought thy disciples to cast him out and they could not. Mark says the same thing. He says, I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not do it. I added do it, but they could not. Why couldn't those disciples that were left at the base of the mountain cast out the Spirit? The scribes were answer, the, the scribes were questioning them. That we know of for a fact, because we see that Jesus answers the asks the scribes the question why they're why they're uh, in, we'll go to Mark for that in Mark chapter uh, nine and verse sixteen. Jesus asks the scribes, "What question ye with them?" I know this frustration very well. <laughs> Remember, these, these, these disciples would have been part of the 70 that were sent out, and one of the gifts that Jesus granted to them was the power to cast out demons, wasn't it? And they think they still have the ability to do that, but the faith doesn't rest in Jesus. They're, they're, they believe that they of themselves have the ability to do it. You ever do that in your life? You got some mountain before you and you're too full of yourself? And you think, that's not going to be a problem. How many times you fail when you, when you approach it like that? Every time. I'm not going to even quibble on it. I'm going to say every time you approach a situation like that and you look at it and it may be something that other people look at as insurmountable, they're going to 
they're going to fail every time. Every time. And so we're not going to focus too much on the fact, on the miracle that Jesus performed in casting the demon out of that, that young man. Jesus was omnipotent and omniscient, and the devils recognized him as God, didn't they? And they, and when he spoke, they responded. Whether it was legion being cast into the herd of swine and then running down the hill and, jump, and, and, and falling into the sea or jumping into the sea and being choked in the sea or drowning in the sea. Or whether it's this demon or whether it's any other demon. When Jesus commanded them to come out, they did not have an option. When your creator speaks, you move. And that doesn't matter if it's angel or man. Because the we got to remember the devil and his and his demons were were and are angels, aren't they? Though they in a fallen state. And they have no plan of redemption, which man does. You should really take a lot of joy in the fact that man has a God loved him enough that he said, I, I am so fond of this creature that I'm going to put a plan of redemption in place for him. If you're here today and you're not lost, you got to know the Lord. You've got to be redeemed first and foremost before any of this matters. And so the disciples come to the Lord. Now, this isn't the three that went up on the mountain. These are the nine that's left at the base. And they come to the Lord and they say, why, Lord? Verse 19 in Matthew chapter 17. Why could we not cast him out? Why couldn't we do it? Jesus says in Matthew, it's recorded because of your unbelief. Let us look for just a minute. I think Paul wrote a perfect explanation in 1 Timothy chapter 6 as to why they couldn't cast out that demon. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let as many servants as are under the yoke under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor. Let me put that in words that we can understand. If you work for somebody, treat them with the respect that comes with being a master. It doesn't say whether they deserve it. It says if you work for them, that's what that means here. Let as many servants, servants work underneath somebody, don't they? And they're under the yoke, count their own, own, their own masters worthy of all honor. Why? 
that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. Have you ever thought for a moment? We focus so much on what we say and making sure that what we say brings God glory and honor, but we don't consider the fact that the things that we do oftentimes are contrary to the things that we say, and in doing such, we're more like Pharisees and scribes than we are like the Christians of the early church. And you say, well, why is that? Because our lips are near unto him, but our heart is far from him. And why can you say that? Because if our heart was near unto him, our actions would manifestly declare that we're a child of God, wouldn't it? Or as James said, show me your faith without works and I will show you my faith by my works. Or as Paul said in the Ephesian letter, in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, we are ordained unto good works, aren't we, to walk in them. But have you ever thought that your actions might actually blaspheme the name of God? Because that's what he's talking about here. The act of not giving your master in this case, in our worldly lexicon of the modern day, it would be your manager at work, or maybe it may be your vice president at work, whoever's over you in your occupation, you don't give them the honor and respect that they're due, you're speaking badly of God. We don't think about it that way, do we? We think, well, they're just, they're, they are usurping me. They're stepping all over me. They're treating me like they're, they're this, they're that. And look, you may be in an untenable situation and you can't continue to stay there. Guess what? The Bible has plenty of instances where people cease doing business at one place or working at one place and they go and work somewhere else. Listen to what Paul says here. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them, because why? Because they're brethren. I can testify to this very, very plainly. My manager in my job, he's Southern Baptist, but he knows, he's, he's Southern Baptist, so he knows the Lord. And he and I, when we go on ride-alongs together, I love it because he and I spend almost our whole time not talking about work. We spend most of our time talking about the Lord. You know how great a gift that is? That if you have a manager or a boss that you can actually talk to the Lord about, that's a gift, isn't it? The apostles or the disciples' master here is the Lord, isn't it? It's God in the flesh. And they're walking with him. But they said, why couldn't we do that? And he says, because your unbelief. We're going to touch on that in just a minute, How what they were doing that spoke badly of him. But rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. You want to be successful in the world. Don't walk around in the world believing you have all the answers. Just go and do a job and do it to the fullest and do it in a way that brings God glory. 
The world today tells you that, and I feel so bad for the young people growing up today because they get taught in school that it is their job to change the world. Go to school. Learn how to do something so that you can change the world. You know what a burden and a weight that is that's thrust upon young people today? And you wonder why a lot of young people wander around in the world lost and miserable and unsatisfied and undone and unhappy? It's because they're walking around trying to please something that will never be able to be pleased. Ever. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the doctrine which is according to godliness. And remember what Jesus said. If any man hunger or thirst, let him come unto me. I'm sorry. I got that, I got that quotation wrong. If any man labor... If any man labor and is weary, let him come unto me, and I will give him rest. I'll give him rest. Listen to this. If any man teach otherwise, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words. I'm going to tell you something. Even in our churches, we have a problem today because a lot of church members will not obey this chapter. If they don't get the pastor that they like, they sit around and whine and complain and bellyache about it until they finally get enough people miserable enough that it becomes an untenable situation for them to leave, and they leave. They don't realize their actions are not speaking highly of God. They're actually blaspheming God. Whereof cometh envy? That's how you know it, isn't it? What's the fruit? Envy. What happens in those churches or what happens in that situation when you're trying to please somebody by a standard that you can't measure up with? You get very jealous of everybody around you because you're measuring yourself by other people when you should just be worrying about measuring yourself by two standards. Am I better than yesterday? Number two and number one. Well, number two. Well. Number two, am I better than yesterday? And number one, am I more like Christ today than I was yesterday? That's the only two standards that matter in the world. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is no person on the face of the earth absent Jesus Christ that has ever been perfect. None. Listen to fruit, envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings. If these describe your characteristics and your attitudes, it's because those that are over you, you're not giving them their proper due, are you? 
perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, supposing that gain is God, that the amount that you make is what determines whether or not you're righteous. Good grief, that is just insane. Jesus was a beggar. He had nowhere to lay his head. He said, "The foxes of the uh, the foxes have holes, and the bird dens, and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head." The people that you see around Bowling Green that are homeless have more in common with Jesus Christ than we do that have a house. Never thought about that, did you? But what do we do? We sit around and we say, oh, woe is us. Oh, we're so, we got it so bad. We've got it better than we ever imagined. How about appreciate how good God has been for us? <laughs> Listen to what he says. From such withdraw thyself. Have neither part nor lot with them. They're not, you know what, they, they are a Judas in your life. You know what they'll do? They will sell you out in a heartbeat if it gets them a little more recognition, notoriety, fame, or money. But what does Paul say matters? But godliness, living your life morally correct, with contentment. You know what the world doesn't want people today to be? It doesn't want people to be content, does it? Watch the news. All the news, the only reason the news exists is to get people, to get people agitated. The people that agitate you in your life You need to have a conversation with them. If they're family, you can't walk away from them. But you got to understand that if they believe one thing and they tell you one thing, if it's not scriptural, you need to just let it be water. As the old saying goes, it needs to just, you need to just let it be water off a duck's back, don't you? And what does water do off a duck's back? It rolls right off of it. And then carry on. What the song say? You've got to keep on walking. And not just walking, but walking in the light of the Lord, right? Let's go with this. He says, you brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Everything that is accumulated in this world does not matter. It will be left behind. All that will matter is what did you do spiritually in this world. That's all that matters. Stop looking at worldly stuff and saying, oh, that, 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 there's so, that matters so much and that, that, that determines whether or not if I'm successful or not. It does not. Do you know the Lord? Are you content with your life? Be content with it. Stop living by everybody else's expectations. Be content with your life.
And listen to what he says here in the 8th verse, having food and raiment. You know what that is? Having food and clothing. Let us therewith be... If you've got food and you've got... If you've got food to eat, if you've got shoes on your table and you've got food on your feet, then you are so supremely blessed. And if you're looking around right now, Kaylee is the only one who doesn't understand why I said it that way. It's because when we sing that song, thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. One time I said, I've got shoes on my table and food on my feet. And Lily was sitting right beside me and she's never let me forget it. And now even Avery trolls me over it. <laughs> If you've got food in your belly and you've got clothes on your back, what do you have to complain about? Seriously. Decide, figure out something that you can do. Figure out something that you can do to bring God glory. I want to show you something here. Now, that's, that's Paul writing about why I believe the disciples failed to cast out that demon. And I'm going to tell you why I believe that. We go back to Matthew 17, and we're going to close out. And if I've taken a little too long, I apologize. First, he says it's because of your unbelief. And then he says, if you had faith of a grain of mustard seed. Now, I like the way Mark puts this one here because he doesn't say if you had faith of a grain of mustard seed. I'm sorry, it's going to be Luke. Sometimes I get them, get them back up, back, get them flipped around. And we go over here. Well, it's got to be, got to be Mark. Let me find my place here. Yes, it's in Mark 9 and 23. Remember, Matthew says, if you had faith of a grain of mustard seed, then you could say to this mountain, be removed, and it would henceforth be cast in the sea. Mark, can, Mark writes that down this way, if thou canst believe. If you can believe. Do you, do you believe? In the number one in the Lord, number two in yourself, right? Number one, you got to believe in the Lord. You got to have faith in the Lord. You've got to be saved. Number two, you look at that and you and you have to walk with the Lord and and do the things that bring the Lord honor and glory. And guess what? The Lord will do is He will glorify and exalt you, and you'll be able to do things that you never thought you could do. Now, I, I'm going to use the clerk job with this here for just a minute. Everybody looks at the clerk job as a mountain, and they say, I can never do that job. And you know what? I absolutely agree with them. If they're going to approach it that way, they absolutely can't do that job. It's really not that hard of a job. You just take it a piece at a time. How do you climb a mountain? A step at a time. Now, how do you move? A, how do you remove a metaphorical mountain? You do it by faith, don't you? How do you remove a little mountain or a literal mountain? Well, you do it one bucket full of dirt at a time. You ever seen when they're doing a construction project and they've got to take a mountain out? Do they go in there and just blast the whole mountain out of the way? No, a little bit at a time, don't they? Little by little, that mountain erodes and erodes and erodes away. They call, they haul off the dirt until it's no longer there. Sometimes that mountain may go away instantaneously. Sometimes it may go away little by little. 
But with faith, you can get there and make that mountain move if you believe. If you believe, do you believe this morning? We want to see our churches full and vibrant again, don't we? Do we believe the Lord can do it? Oh, do we have the confidence in ourselves that we can go out and advocate with people to bring them into the Lord's house that they might hear the gospel and be saved? I like what he says here in this 21st. He says, and nothing, and nothing, with faith and belief, nothing is impossible unto you. We think that with God, don't we? Because with God, all things are possible. With man, nothing is possible. With God, all things are possible. So why does he say here that with faith and belief that nothing shall be impossible to you? Not because of you. I want to give you the heads up. It's not because of you. The problem with a lot of the world today is because we put too much emphasis on self. And in so doing, we actually align ourselves more with Satan than we do with God. Because Satan exalted himself in heaven before God and exalted himself himself above God and wanted to take God's place as God and instead what happened to him he failed didn't he he failed miserably Jesus said I beheld Satan fall out from heaven as lightning he was cast out wouldn't he and he had another place created for him didn't he a place that no man was ever intended to inhabit called hell but you know what? If you want to live like the devil, you'll inhabit the regions of the devil, won't you? And so let's finish up here. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. That's how you know, number one, that that wasn't just a demon. That was a very powerful demon. That this kind of demon does not go out and cannot be cast out. But by prayer. Meaning, you all haven't been praying while I've been separated from you up on the mountain. You haven't been praying and you haven't been fasting when you've been separated. Remember what Jesus said, Master, your, your, your disciples, they don't fast. And he says, while they have the bridegroom, they don't fast. But when the bridegroom is gone, they'll fast off. But while they, here you have, they're separated from the Lord and what are they doing? They're gorging themselves on food. You know, you eat too much, it messes with your mind. It causes you not to be able to do things. It makes you sleepy, doesn't it? This does not go out but by prayer and fast. You can't do, you can't move mountains unless you're actually going to put in the work. And spiritually speaking, what's the work? Prayer and fasting. Let me say that another way. Submitting yourself to God and drawing nigh unto Him, prayer, and denying yourself, fasting. You wanna, you wanna, you wanna do exceeding abundant all that's possible. You'll never succeed without the Lord's help. You may have a modicum of success. There's even very rich people who have a mo who have tremendous success in the world. 
when they stand before the Lord at the day of judgment, they will realize that they had no success in the world at all. But what we do in this world. And one of the best quotes that I, I, that I wrote down during the association, one of the, one of the very best quotes that came out of the memorial sermon, Brother Jonathan Elliott preached this, and I'll never forget this. This is the, I'm, I'm taking this quote with me to the grave, and I told him that, but I'm taking this quote with me to the grave. What we do in time matters in eternity. Stop thinking that what you do doesn't matter. Moses was keeping the flock in Midian. And God called to him out of the burning bush and said, you're going to go deliver my people. And Moses gave every excuse under the sun why he couldn't do it. And God said, fine, here's Adam. You can't, or, or Aaron, fine, you can't speak. Fine, here's Adam. He'll be your mouthpiece. What's your other excuses? Well, there's this, there's that, there's this. God said, those aren't excuses. Go do it. He said, Samuel, my Saul has failed as the king of my people. Go and find another king. And he goes to Jesse's house and he sees all of Jesse's sons. And then he says, none of these are the king. And he says, do you have any more sons, Jesse? And he says, I got one. He keeps the sheep out in the field. Well, bring him here. Lord said, this is him. He was just keeping the sheep out in the field. And God, God, and he gets called into being the king of a country. And then he goes to check on his countrymen who are at battle with the Philistines, and he sees that they're all terrified of, 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 of Goliath because he's got such a tremendous stature. And he says, I'll go fight Goliath. And Saul says, fine, here's my armor. Go use my armor. He says, I can't use your armor. I've never tested it out. So he went down to the river and he had a walk. And I believe David had a talk with the Lord before he went into that battle. And while he was doing that, he chose five smooth stones, didn't he? But he only needed one. And with one smooth stone, David slung that rock and he killed and slayed a giant, didn't he? You aren't going to slay a giant. You aren't going to move a mountain without faith. You aren't going to do it. If you think you are, then you're just fooling yourself. What about the apostles? They were just living life, weren't they? They were just doing their day to day. Matthew's a publican. He's going around collecting taxes, probably ripping everybody off. <laughs> Tax collectors have not changed in the history of the world. James and, and his brethren were fishermen. Peter was a fisherman. And the Lord said, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Stop trying to plan your whole life out. Don't you know the plans of men are foolishness before God? None of those men ever planned on being an apostle of Jesus Christ before they were called. 
And even after they were called, they had so much to learn, didn't they, that they exemplified the long-suffering of Christ and the patience of Christ because goodness knows, as our example proves here today, they tested his patience continually, didn't they? Well, you want to do something glorious and magnificent, stop trying to be out there making it happen. Just live life. Be happy. Be happy. Stop thinking you have to have all these things in the world. I go count all these worldly things with my job every day. And every day, every day a salesman says, don't you want to take some of that one of those home with you? And I said, well, I have a standard response to that. I said, number one, I said, these things are just so expensive now. You can't buy a boat for less than 100 grand, basically. I said, number one, I said, I don't have any envy at all against the people who choose to do that with their money. God, God bless them, more power to them. I said, I just could never see putting that kind of money in something like that. And even now, side-by-sides are 30 grand. And I'm like, good grief, $30,000. And I always tell them every time, I said, number one, I, I, I just tell them, I said, I can't see putting that kind of money in something like that. And number two, it would cost me way more than the money it would actually cost me to buy it. Because by the time I got it home, my wife would probably, I'd have to have, to have attorney's fees. Because my wife would not be happy if I pulled in the driveway with that. <laughs> and, and so sometimes you just got to acknowledge life and, and accept it. Would I like to have some of that stuff? Sure. Sure. But, you know, I'd rather live a life of contentment and just try to please God than have all the worldly stuff that there is out there. Move mountains. Slay giants. But you won't do it if you're absent of faith and belief in the Lord and yourself. That's our message this morning. Brother William, or, well, Brother Williams or Brother Matlock, whoever's singing, if you've got a song.